0: with you, and as he's already shared with you, I do have my wife, Rosita, here with me. We both have, have been married 44 years each, and our spouses had passed away, so I always kid. Now, we've got 88 years of experience going into uh, this marriage, but uh, it's real joy to have her to be able to travel with me and uh, just to see God work. I'm going to ask you, if you will, take your Bibles and open them to the book of Romans. Book of Romans, chapter 1. While you're finding your place here, let me just say this. I know we had planned, I think, Brother Greg, you did, uh, this last Friday night and Saturday morning, we were supposed to be here. We got up Friday morning getting ready to drive here about uh, 4.30 that morning, and we had no water in our house, and down in Tennessee, you know, It got under freezing for the first time this year. We thought, well, surely the, you know, the pipes had froze up, but it was worse than that. Our well pump had gone out totally. And so we had to replace the well pump, but uh, we had to leave then yesterday morning rather than Friday morning. But uh, thank you so much for allowing us to come on and look forward to what God is going to do. Romans chapter 1, beginning reading there in verse 14 through verse 16, I want to preach on the subject, I am ready. And if you're ready for the Word of God, say amen. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Father, I do pray that you not only will bless the reading of your word, but also, Lord, that you will bless and anoint the preaching of your word today. I thank you for each person who has chosen to be here. And I pray especially now for well, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl that would be in this building that's nearest to hell. I pray today they'd come to Christ and be saved. Spirit of God, move in this place. And Lord Jesus, through your strong name, through the power of your shed blood, bind the demons of hell from this place. And may the only spirit that be here be the Holy Spirit. And with invitations extended in a few moments, may people respond to your call to this altar and come to Christ. What takes place here, may it bring joy in heaven may your perfect will be accomplished may the name of Jesus be honored in his name i pray and again all God's people say amen the apostle paul was a great man of god and whenever i read about great men in the bible i'm always intrigued to what made them great now you find here that little pronoun set i am these are the i ams of paul notice again there in verse 14. Paul said, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. You know why God used Paul so? He was willing to accept responsibility. Paul said, I have a debt that I must pay. Suppose here was a man who's been convicted of murder, and he's been sentenced by the state to be executed. And then the governor of the state calls you and says, I want you to come to my office. And so you go to the governor's office, and he says, I've decided that I'm going to pardon this man. He said, here, take this pardon, take it to the prison, give it to the warden. And so you take that pardon, you place it in your coat pocket, you go out and you get in your car, and you remember that your wife said you need to get some bread and milk before you come home. And you begin to think there's some bills that you need to pay. And you get busy doing all of those things, and then you think, you know, I need to get my uh, heating unit checked out before that cold, 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 cold winter hits here in Ohio. And when I lived here, I know cold, cold winters come to Ohio. And so I need to get all of that checked out. And then you have a friend who calls and says, "Uh, I've got some free plane tickets and some free rounds of golf down in Florida. Would you want to go with me? He's why, sure, I want to go. And so you take off, you spend several days down there, and you make your way back, and you've got behind in your work, and you get busy doing all of that, and then one day you're sitting there at the kitchen table, and you're drinking your coffee, you're reading the newspaper, and all of a sudden, the words on the paper jump out to you, and you read there about that man who was pardoned, but now he has been executed. And you reach there in your pocket, and you pull out the pardon. He has been pardoned, but you failed to deliver the message. How would you feel? How will you feel when the clods of dirt begin to fall in on the casket of your unsaved neighbor that you never told about Jesus Christ? How would you feel if that were to be your husband or your wife, your son or your daughter? How would you feel? You know what I need? You know what you need? You know what this church needs? We need to have a burden and a passion for lost people. Paul said, I have a responsibility for the gospel. And then notice verse 16. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, I have a responsibility for the gospel. And then he says, I am rejoicing in this gospel. And notice what gospel he's talking about. It is the gospel of Christ. Greg, you'd already reminded us a moment ago what Paul said in Galatians. In Galatians 1, verse 8, Paul said, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed, even if an angel comes and brings another gospel. Let him be accursed, let him be cut off, let him be severed from God. There's only one gospel that is sufficient for the salvation of souls, and that is the gospel of Christ. It takes the supernatural power of God for a soul to be saved. It takes the supernatural power of God for a person to be set free from his sin. It takes a supernatural power of God for a person to be delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And what is this gospel? It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives us a definition of that gospel. He said there in verse 1, moreover brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. And then in verse 3 and verse 4, he gives that definition. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. A man is not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. A man is not saved by being a good citizen. A man is not saved by joining some civic organization. My goodness, he's not even saved by joining Baptist Church. He must believe the gospel. He must trust the gospel. For by grace are you saved through faith. That of you says it is a gift of God. And I join with Paul today and I say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul said, I have a responsibility for the gospel. I am rejoicing in this gospel. And then notice verse 15. He said, so as much as in me is, I am ready they preach the gospel to you. They're at Rome also. That's what I want to preach about. I am ready. You know why God used Paul so? He was ready. What does it mean to be ready? Paul has surrendered himself to the call of God. Paul had committed himself to do the will of God in his life. You say, ready to do what? Well, let me show you three places in the Bible where Paul says, I'm ready. And these same three things are true about us. Number one, Paul said, I'm ready to preach. Notice verse 15 again. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you there at Rome also. May I say it's preaching time. It's preaching time. The Bible puts a high premium on the preaching of the Word of God. Sometime back. Brother Greg, I met one of my clergy brethren. Now, I don't want to ever offend anyone, but I offended him. I I met him, and I said, hey, preacher. And he looked back at me, and he said, don't call me preacher. That's an outdated term. He said, don't call me preacher. He said, call me pastor. I said, well, number one, you ain't my pastor. And number two, if you have a problem with preaching this next Sunday, you just stay seated and let somebody else stand up who's ready to preach. John the Baptist did not come forth from the wilderness handing out free camel rides and chocolate-covered grasshoppers. He came forth preaching. You know why he got his head cut off? Preaching. You know, there's a famine today for the preaching of the Word of God. Most Sunday mornings, I wake up in in a hotel somewhere getting ready to go to church, and I'll turn on the television. And, And I'm amazed, even on Sunday morning, how few sermons you even hear on Sunday morning. And then I'm amazed at what I hear and what I don't hear. I don't hear preaching on repentance. I don't hear preaching on faith in Christ. I don't hear preaching on you must be born again. I don't hear them Preach that this book is the inspired, the inerrant, the infallible Word of God. I sure don't hear them preach you all the time to your local church. But I'll tell you what I do here. Ten steps to be a better you. How to be rich. How to build your self esteem. Can you imagine that dying thief on that cross looking over to Jesus and said, Lord, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus looking back and saying, don't worry about that. Just be the best you you could be. I don't believe that me very much that day to you. But you know, that's the mess that a lot of people are having to hear week after week. Listen, we've got too many of these little mama called, daddy sent preachers today. They've got lace on their underwear. They smell like Avon. They've got polish on their fingernails. They're tiptoeing through the tulip bed. They've got a noodle for the backbone. I mean, we got too many of these little preacherettes who preach their sermonettes, the Christianettes, who go outside and smoke their cigarettes and drive their Corvettes. You may go a little further. And they look like majorettes. Listen, we need some old-fashioned God-called, Holy Ghost-filled, lever lung, preachers of the Word of God. That's what we need today. When I was growing up as a boy, or when I was first called to preach, you could go to almost any church of any denomination, and you'd hear preaching. You'd hear preaching. I mean, when uh, when you think of Billy Sunday, what do you think about? And you're going to be amazed at what denomination he was actually a member of. I mean, you think of Billy Sunday, you think of some fire-breathing, leather-lung, wind-sucking, independent, fundamentalist, premillennialist Baptist. But he was a Presbyterian, just an old-fashioned preaching Presbyterian. When you think of George Whitefield, what do you think about? Benjamin Franklin said about George Whitfield that he preached with such intensity that you could actually hear him a mile off, even without a PA system. And when he'd get finished preaching, he'd actually be spitting up blood. And when you think of him, what do you think about? You think of some fire baptized Pentecostal holiness, Baptistical preacher. But he was a Methodist. Just an old-fashioned preaching Methodist. And God used him to usher in great awakening. There's something special about the preaching of the Word of God. Just write these verses there in the margin of your Bible somewhere. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, verse 15. For whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they not believe? And how shall they believe in him in whom they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how should they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. 1 Corinthians 1, 21, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 2 Timothy 4, 2, and 3, preach the word, not even sing the word, not teach the word, not wrap the word, Preach the Word, not politics, not the latest philosophies, not today's newspaper. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And may I say, that day has come. A lot of churches could not take what I'm preaching right now. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. Have you noticed how many churches have swapped preachers for teachers? Now you ought to be taught the word of God. You ought to be instructed in the things of God. God does not want you to continue in ignorance. Amen. Amen. I mean, where to be taught the word of God? But teaching will only take you so far. Teaching challenges the mind, the intellect. But preaching lays a demand at the door of your heart. Preaching demands a verdict. Preaching demands a decision. Now, I like all type of preaching as long as it's Bible preaching. I like prophecy preaching. I like judgment preaching. I like encouraging preaching. I like comforting preaching. I sure like glory preaching. I like all kind of preaching as long as it's Bible preaching. But there's only one type of preaching that is sufficient for souls to be saved. That's gospel preaching. Gospel preaching is preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Gospel preaching is cross preaching. Gospel preaching is empty tomb preaching. Gospel preaching is worthy as a risen lamb preaching. Gospel preaching is calling on people to repent and place their faith in Christ. Aren't you glad that when you were a lost sinner that you heard gospel preaching? If you're going to have people continually walk these aisles and come to Christ and see the baptismal waters continually stirred, there must be gospel preaching. Several years ago when I was pastor, I had a woman. I started to say lady, woman. Now, every church has at least one. I hope you don't. But most churches have at least one like this. Uh, she came to me one Sunday morning. She said, uh, Preacher, next, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And I'm going to have my son here with me. Don't you embarrass me. And she wagged her finger in my face. Don't you embarrass me. I said, "Say what? She said, don't you get up there and hoop and holler the way you do and embarrass me in front of my son. I'm afraid you might run him off from church. I said, well, is he saved? Well, no. Is he on his way to hell? Well, I suppose he is. Well, I said, I can't get him any closer to hell. But I can sure tell him how to go to heaven. Listen, gospel preaching does not run people down. Gospel preaching tells them how to go up. Amen? And when you come to church, you ought to hear the gospel. And I know one thing about your pastor. When you come to this church, you're going to hear the gospel. Amen? Oh, listen, aren't you glad that when you were lost that you heard a man of God like your pastor stand up with the word of God and preach the gospel and Holy Ghost conviction fell all over you and you ran to Christ and you were saved? Oh, listen, Paul said, I'm ready to preach. Preach the gospel. And then number two, he said, I'm ready to pay. Look now on over to Acts chapter 21 and verse 13. Acts chapter 21 and verse 13. Then Paul answered, What mean you to weep and to break my heart? Here it is. For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul said, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to pay. Pay what? the price. What price? The ultimate price. They said, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you up and place you in prison. And Paul said, not only am I ready to go to be bound, but I'm ready to go if it costs me my very life. You know what I see today? It doesn't take a great deal for so many of our people to get knocked out of the race. I mean, it doesn't take much for them to just get out of sorts and stop living for God. A lot of church folk remind me of a little boy, a little girl out here on the playground. They've got their toys there and something doesn't go their way. They said, well, we're going to take our toys. We're going to go home. I see a lot of church folk just like that. Someone didn't speak to me. Someone looked at me wrong. Someone said something I didn't like. Preacher didn't shake my hand. We're going to take our toys. We're going to go find another church. Listen, you need to get your eyes off people. And you need to get your eyes on Jesus. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for people who will make a vow and say, Come what may, the sun comes up if the sun never comes up, if the wind blows, or if the wind never blows. I don't care what my family thinks, what my friend thinks, what my foes think. I don't care what the devil thinks. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do what's right. You know, this time may not be very far off. Can you imagine this morning if two hooded individuals were to walk in these doors? And they've got their shotguns, or AK-47s, and begin to walk up and down these aisles. And they point the gun at every person and say, you deny Jesus and I'll let you live. But if you refuse to deny Jesus, we're going to kill you. I wonder how many people would still be sitting in here. You know, that's what happened at Conurbine, Colorado, years ago. there at the high school. Little Cassie Burnell, they said, was, down under one of the tables there. And a witness later testified and said that Eric Harris, that deranged individual, came and pointed that gun at her head and said, deny Jesus, and I'll let you live. But if you refuse to deny Jesus, I'm going to kill you. And he said little Cassie responded back by saying, I cannot deny my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bang! And he killed her. And they pick her little body up off that cold concrete floor. I can imagine in heaven this morning that little Cassie is seated there at the feet of Jesus. I hope that never happens to you. I hope that never happens to me. But we need to quit getting our feelings hurt over little unimportant things. We need to get over our hangnail problems. Amen? Listen there's a generation that's gone before you in this church, and they would say, we went through the storms. We fought the battles. We dug the wells. We built the altars. Now it's your time. It's your time. You ever heard anyone stand and give a testimony like this? You know, I... I was wealthy, and on this hand, I had my wealth. And then I sensed the call of God on my life. And I had to decide what I wanted. Was I wanting just my wealth, or I want to do what God wanted me to do? You know, that's one thing good about being poor. You ain't got nothing to give up. People will say, well, you know, before I became a Christian, I drank my beer and my liquor, ran around with wild women, listened to crazy music, and then I got saved. I'm a Christian. You say, well, what, what did it cost you? And what did you get for it? Let me tell you what it cost me. Wasted years, lonely nights, miserable days. And what did you get for it? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. A peace that passeth all understanding. Then over on the other side, I've got some treasures laid up. Rust can't corrupt, malls can't eat, thieves can't steal. And then I've got some loved ones that are waiting me one day just to step over and meet them there in glory. Listen, I wouldn't take anything for my journey. I mean, it just gets sweeter and sweeter day by day. Amen? Are you ready to pledge allegiance? Are you ready to sign the contract and say, God, we're gonna go all the way for you? Paul said, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to pay the price. And then number 3 he says I'm ready to part. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6 these are the closing words of Paul. Paul is in prison and in a very short time he's going to be executed. And Paul said there, for I'm now ready, there it is, to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to pay the price. I'm ready to part. I'm ready to die. The picture that Paul is painting there, he's standing here at the river, the river of death. And he's about ready to set sail. The next place he's going to be is heaven. The next person he's going to see is Jesus. And he says, I'm ready to part. I'm ready to die. Now, we don't know when God's going to call our name. Proverbs 27, verse 1 Boast not thyself tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know when God's going to call our name. You say, well, preacher, I'm just a, I'm a teenager. And death is the furthest thing from my mind. I mean, I don't want to think about dying. I don't want to think about death. Go with me out here to the graveyard this morning. And I'll show you the tombstones of many, many teenagers. You say, preacher, I'm a young adult. We just got married. We're getting ready to start our family. I don't want to think about death. Go with me out here to the graveyard this morning. And I'll show you many tombstones of young adults. Preacher, I know uh, I'm in the middle age of my life now. The children are about ready to get out of the house, about ready to get out of school, and we want to travel. We've got a lot of plans. I don't want to think about death. Go out with me out here to the graveyard today. And I'll show you the tombstones of many, many middle-aged adults. Preacher, I know I'm a senior adult. I know I don't have a long time to live. But I just don't want to think about dying. I don't want to think about death. Go with me out here to the graveyard this morning. And I'll show you many, many tombstones of senior adults. Sir, you only have an allotted amount of days. Ma'am, you only have an allotted amount of days. And when you come at the end of that allotted time that God has for your life, all the doctors and hospital in the state of Ohio will not keep you here one more second. When God calls your name, you're going to step out into eternity. You say, how does a person prepare for eternity? Trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's appointed man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Sir, you have a lot amount of days. Ma'am, you have a lot amount of days. Teenager, you have a lot amount of days. Church member, you have a lot amount of days. I don't know when that is. You don't know when that is. Only the sovereign God in heaven knows how many that is. He alone is keeping the clock. And when you come at the end of that time, you need to be like Brother Paul, where you can say, I know that I know that I know I'm ready to meet God. Are you ready to preach? Are you ready to pay the price? Are you ready to depart? Are you ready to die? If if in the next five minutes your heart were to stop beating and that glazed look comes over your face and the doctor stands over you and says, they're gone, they're dead, do you know that you know that you know you'd be with God in heaven? It could well be before you make it out of your car this morning that you'll fall dead. I've actually had that happen. I've actually preached and had someone listen to me preach, and before they reached their car, they fell dead. And I want to tell you, before your body hits that ground, your soul will either be in heaven or in hell. You say, are you trying to scare people? If I thought I could, I would, I would, I would. Listen, as a 13-year-old boy, the fear of God fell all over me. I didn't want to go to hell. You say, I don't believe you ought to use Jesus as a fire escape. Why not? He's the only fire escape I know. Church membership can't do it. Water baptism can't do it. The Lord's Supper can't do it. Good works can't do it. I trusted the blood of Jesus, and he saved my soul from hell. He wrote my name in the book of life. He is my fire escape. You say, well, I believe a person ought to get saved for more reasons than not going to hell. I do too. I mean, there are a lot, lot, lot more reasons you ought to get saved than not just going to hell. But if that's the only reason you can think of this morning, that will work. That will work. How far away is death? Death is just as close. Is that next heartbeat? just as close that next heartbeat. Said our heart beats about 70, 72 times every minute. You're lost, that heart quits beating. they take your body out of here, and they'll put it into a grave. But the very moment that heart quits beating, your soul will be in hell forever and forever. But if you're saved, that heart quits beating. They take your body, put it to a grave out here. But the very moment that heart quits beating, your soul be in God in heaven for never and ever. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. How far away is death? Just as close to that next heartbeat. Just as close to that next heartbeat. I want to ask you if you'll to bow your heads. Close your eyes. I wonder this morning, if your heart were to stop beating right now, do you know that you know you'd be with God in heaven? I wonder how many here can say, Preacher, I know for sure if my heart were to stop beating right this very moment, I know for certain I'd be with God in heaven. No doubt about it. I'm not 99% certain. I'm 100% certain. I know for certain If I died this very moment, I'd be with God in heaven. I didn't just join a church. I didn't just get baptized. I didn't just walk down a church aisle. I didn't just have an emotional experience. But there's been a time, there's been a place in my life where I repented of my sin and placed my faith in Christ alone to save me. And I know for certain, if I died this very moment, I'd be with God in heaven. If you can say that and know that, I'm going to ask you if you will just lift your hand up as a testimony. Just hold it up there. Now, don't lift it unless you know it. But if you know it, lift it up there just for a moment. The Bible says, let redeemed of the Lord, say so. Say, thank you. God bless you. Now, there's some of you that did not lift up your hand. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for being honest. Because, see, you'll never get saved until you first get honest. You've got to get honest with yourself and you've got to get honest with God. But there's no reason for any person to walk out of this room today not knowing for certain That when you die, you're going to be with God in heaven. And I'm going to ask you if you did not lift up your hand. Or maybe you even lifted up your hand, but you say, Preacher, I really don't know for sure. You say, This is something I've struggled with for a long time. I need to get it settled. I'm going to ask you, if you will, let me lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting. You make this your prayer where you ask God to forgive you of your sin. And ask Jesus, come in your heart to save you. You May you want to pray out loud, may you want to pray silently. But the main thing is you pray it from your own heart, pray it to God and really mean it. Now just saying the words won't save you. You must mean it from your heart. Will you do it right now? Let me lead you in that prayer. Pray with me right now, right where you're sitting. Pray with me right now. Pray with me. Say, dear God, pray with me, dear God, I know you love me. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know Jesus came out of that grave and he's alive. But God, I've sinned against you, and I'm lost, and I cannot save myself. God, forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, come to my heart right now and save my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. I'm going to ask every one of you that asked Christ to save you just then, the best you knew how. I'm going to ask you if we'll just... Look up here at me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just want to ask you two or three questions. Just look up here at me. Did you pray that prayer over here? Did you pray that prayer? Just nod your head. I'm not going to come to you. Did you pray that prayer? God bless you. Did you pray that prayer? Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Amen. God bless you. Over here. Okay. Over here. Amen. Amen. There in the back. Did you pray that prayer? God bless you. God bless you. Now, those you who prayed that prayer, look up here at me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to ask you three questions. Question number one, you know God loves you. Do 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 you know God loves you. Sweetheart, you know God loves you. The Bible says, for God still love the world. That means God loves you. He really does. Then let me ask you a second question. You know that Christ died for you on the cross. You know Christ died for you. You don't know Christ died for you. You don't know Christ died for you. Sweetheart, you don't know Christ died for you. You don't know Christ died for you. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. That means you're so special. If You'd been the only person. Jesus would have died just for you. That's good, in it? Hey, that's good, in it? You're that special. Hey, you're that special. You've been the only person. He died just for you. Then let me ask you a third question. This is real important. Are you ashamed of Jesus? You're ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of Jesus, are you? Are you ashamed of Jesus? You're not ashamed of him, are you? Oh, listen, Jesus is not ashamed of you. He went to the cross and he openly and he publicly died there for you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. Brother Graves is going to come stand here at the front right now. now. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, those of you that ask Christ to come to your life, just come stand in front of the preacher. you not going to have to give a speech, you're not going to be embarrassed anyway, I promise you that. But by you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Christ. He's just going to have a word of prayer with you. The charity, thanks, going to help you. And by you coming, you are saying, "I am not ashamed of Jesus." You are not ashamed of him, are you? You are not ashamed of him. You are not ashamed of him. You are not ashamed of him, are you? You are not ashamed of him. Sweetheart, you are not ashamed of him, are you? I want to ask every one of you that ask Christ to come to your life just then. Just stand up right now. Walk right here to the front. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come over here. Come. Did you mean it? Come on, come on, come on. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Step on out. Come on. Amen. Come on. Others, come on. Come. Come on. Did you mean it? Come. Anyone else over here? Come. Anyone else? Come on. Come on, sweetheart. Anyone else over here? Did you mean it? Come. Come on. Come. In the back? Come. Did you mean it? Come. Anyone else? You come. Now, there are many others today that indicated you trusted Christ just then. We're going to stand, we're going to begin to sing. As we stand and begin to sing, others need to come. You may come and say, well, I need someone to take a Bible and show me how to be saved. You come today and we'll take a Bible and show you how to become a Christian today. I want to encourage you to come. Maybe you want to just feel a need to make your way to this altar. This altar is open for you to come also. God's moving your heart. I want to encourage you to come. Let's stand. As we sing, you step on out. Come on. Others need to come right now. Come on. come. Come on. Of the state that come, step on out. If Amen. Come. Can- something of course if you're here there's several others you'd indicate you trusted Christ don't be ashamed to step out you know one thing I've discovered that when we step out and come open for Christ it does three things number one let, let's God get the glory I want God to get the glory don't you and number two it shames the old devil I want the old devil to be shamed today and then number three it helps to confirm in your own heart what you say has happened so I'm going to encourage you step out today let him get the honor. Let him get the glory of what he's done. Let me ask you to do something else, and maybe you've never done this in church before. But I promise you won't hurt you. Will, you. will you trust me? I promise you, it won't hurt you. I want you to turn to the person standing next to you, your right, your left, cross the aisle, wherever they are. Maybe your husband, your wife, your your son, your daughter. Maybe the preacher, maybe the deacon, maybe the Sunday school teacher. Maybe a total stranger. Don't you look at them in the face? Don't you to ask them this question? Do you know for sure you died right now, you'd be with God in heaven? Do you know for sure if you died right now, you'd be with God in heaven? Listen to their answer. Now, if they can say, yes, they know for sure, give them a great big bear hug, jump up and down and praise God together. But if they cannot say they know for sure, put your arm around them. And you say, listen, I'll walk down there with you today. Let's get it settled here today. Will you do it right now? Turn to the person right, left, cross the aisle. Don't let anyone be left out. Ask them, do you know for sure you died right now, you'd be with God in heaven. Now, if they don't know for sure, you say, Listen, I'll walk down there with you today. Let's get it settled here today. Will you do it right now? Let's sing one more stanza, okay? Right now. Come on, step out.
1: You promised your faithfulness is true. We're How about it? Anyone for else? Your <clears throat>
0: Come. Come.
2: For those of you who uh, made that decision for Christ, um, we rejoice, right? So the angels in heaven are rejoicing. So let's rejoice congregation with them. Um, I remember the day I gave my life to Christ as a 15 year old teenager, like it was yesterday. As you well know, as I've shared my testimony many times, radically changed my life. And uh, so if you made that decision and maybe you didn't come forward. Like I'm going to be here all afternoon. So just come by and say, hey, you know what? I, I didn't come forward, but I made that decision. I want you to know that. And just uh, share with me that, that you crossed that line and, and you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And uh, yeah, we want to rejoice with you. So, Taylor, to Tina and Tom, um, yeah, God's rejoicing. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So what a what a tremendous step of, of faith and trust and and I'm just excited to see what happens from that this day forward. So, having said that, um, I'm going to pray for our meal. It's prepared at that in the activity center. So, after our service, you can make your way back there. And I'm going to have uh, Don and Rosita. I'm going to have you guys go first. Um, and so, Stacy, you may show them where where we're eating. Yes, if you would. Um, so I'll let you guys. You're our guest of honor, so we'll we'll let you enter in there first. And uh, So I'm going to pray for the meal, and you're free to go. Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day of um, celebration for new life. Um, Father, thank you um, that you continue to save souls. Our soul is so precious to you. Lord, our heartbreaks breaks for those who are in our families, for those who are our neighbors and people we work with, Lord, who ha- are still hesitating on that decision, or, or maybe they're just not even interested, they haven't even come to that point where there's even any interest whatsoever, uh, Father, may you continue to use us as light in the midst of darkness, that you might use our lives and the words that we speak and the gospel that we share for them to come into the kingdom of your beloved son. And so, Lord, um, we just pray the Holy Spirit that you just continue to open up hearts and soften them and prepare them for the seed of the gospel. And may it be watered. And God, may we see a harvest. And so we thank you for the individuals whom you used to do that for us. And God, now, as we have been challenged, may be, we be the ones now who step up and um, take that mantle and begin moving forward and sharing Jesus with others. And so we rejoice with you today, Heavenly Father, uh, for these lives that have been radically changed in Christ's name. And we praise you for this meal that we're sharing together as a church family and ask your blessing on it. And just thank you for all the provisions that you make for us day in and day out in Jesus name.